Welcome back, everybody. This is Rick Pettigrew to hand off our top news stories from this past week of Archaeologica. Send us feedback on the Archaeology Channel Facebook page or post a message on our social networking site, Archaeoseek. A new study confirms that the black earth concentrated in many prehistoric settlements of the Amazon was indeed intentionally produced by the people who lived there. Underwater archaeologists at a submerged ancient city in Egypt recovered some amazing treasures from tumbled-down temples. A wet site in Zambia is the location where excavators uncovered parts of the oldest wooden structure ever found, nearly half a million years old. An analysis of antler combs from an early medieval Viking trading center shows that many were imported from the high Arctic. Thanks to everyone for supporting our subscription platform, Heritage Broadcasting Service, available at heritagetac.org. We now have hundreds of titles you can binge upon on Roku. Please help us spread the word. Again, that link is heritagetac.org. Our tour program, TAC Tours, will continue in 2024 with our fifth tour of incredible sites in Iran. Please join us. The link to our tour program is at archaeologychannel.org tours. And now here's Laura Kennedy with the audio news from Archaeologica. We hope you find this to be a valuable part of your day. Welcome to the audio news from Archaeologica. I'm Laura Kennedy, and these are the headlines in archaeological and historical news for the week of September 17th through the 23rd, 2023. Our first story takes us to the Amazon River Basin, where lush foliage covers surprisingly infertile soil. Notoriously hard to farm, the tropical soil is acidic and low in nutrients. Yet archaeologists have dug up black, fertile patches of ancient soil around settlements dating back thousands of years. Even more remarkably, this soil has hung on to its high carbon content for thousands of years. A major question unanswered until now is whether the mysterious terra preta, or dark earth, was a natural formation or something the early villagers created on purpose. Now, a new study by researchers in Brazil and at MIT and the University of Florida has determined that terra preta was produced intentionally by ancient Amazonians to enhance the soil and feed large, complex societies. As reported by Science Daily, the team combined results from soil analysis, ethnographic observations, and interviews with today's indigenous peoples to show that the huge amounts of stored carbon in dark earth could only have been produced by purposely enriching the soil. The team's study focused on the Kuikuro indigenous territory, where Terra Preta surrounds some archaeological sites. Although no one in the local population knew where it came from, their own soil management practices include building compost heaps around the center of the village, then mixing the resulting decomposed matter with soil for planting crops. Researchers also observed Kuikoro farmers spread organic waste and ash on more distant fields. Analysis of soil distribution in both ancient and modern sites show that dark earth deposits occur in a radial pattern, concentrated in the center of the village and stretching out like wheel spokes to the edges. Modern and ancient dark earth is also similar in composition and enriched by the same elements, the elements in humans, animals, and plants. According to the study's lead author, former MIT postdoc Morgan Schmidt, these are the very elements that reduce the aluminum toxicity in soil, a notorious problem in the Amazon. 
For both the ancient and modern villagers, terra preta is a solution to their need for agricultural soil that readily grows the crops they need. The fertilized soil, however, also solves a major current climate problem by accumulating the carbon-rich detritus and holding onto that carbon for hundreds to thousands of years. This technique is thus also a potential solution to the excess release of carbon into the atmosphere that is harming the entire planet today. The research estimates that each ancient village contains several thousand tons of carbon that has been sequestered in the soil for centuries because of human activities. Researchers hope the persistent fertility of ancient dark earth can inspire new techniques for both sustainable agriculture and climate change mitigation by drawing on the traditional methods invented in the Amazon. Next, we plunge into the Mediterranean to explore a sunken city off the coast of Egypt where a team led by French marine archaeologist Franck Gudillo has found new temple treasures. During this new dive into the old port city, Gudillo's team mapped huge blocks of stone from an ancient temple that collapsed during an earthquake in the mid-2nd century BC. As reported by Art News, the team also recovered a wealth of significant artifacts from the temple's treasury. The ancient Egyptian port of Thonis Heraklion was active for centuries under the pharaohs and was the largest Egyptian port on the Mediterranean until Alexander the Great founded Alexandria in 331 BC. Thonis Heraklion slowly sank into the sea, however, as a result of both rising sea levels and several earthquakes followed by tidal waves that triggered land liquefaction events. The largest and last of these submerged a 110-square-kilometer portion of the Nile Delta, including the port city. The site of Thonis Heraklion now lies below water more than four miles from the current Egyptian coastline. The new dive explored the city's main temple, dedicated to the god Amun. This was the ceremonial site where pharaohs received their power as kings. Treasures found by the team in this location included silver ritual instruments, gold jewelry, and fragile alabaster containers for perfumes and ointments, indicating that the city was lost so abruptly these valued temple properties could not be rescued in time. A Greek sanctuary to Aphrodite containing bronze and ceramic objects was also mapped and explored to the east of the Amun Temple, showing that Greeks not only traded with the port but also settled here. The site was first discovered by the European Institute for Underwater Archaeology in 2000. Current excavations by Godillo and the Underwater Archaeology Department of Egypt's Ministry and Tourism Department yielded underground structures dating back to the 5th century BC. The structure's wooden post and beam supports were still in place. The find was aided by new geophysical prospecting technologies that were able to detect chambers and objects buried under layers of clay several meters thick. Our third story takes us to Colombo Falls in Zambia, where a new dig has unearthed several timbers that spell out a stunning revelation. The hominids who joined these were using wood to build structures well before the advent of Homo sapiens. The simple structure found by an international team is made up of two interlocking logs, with a notch crafted into the upper piece to allow them to fit together at right angles. It probably would have been part of a wooden platform, although the exact function of this construction is unclear. It could have been a walkway, a platform to keep food or firewood dry, or the base of a dwelling. 
As reported by the website ZME Science, this find is the earliest evidence of deliberate crafting of logs to fit together. Previously, Paleolithic humans were thought to use wood only for making fire, sticks, and spears. The evidence that they built permanent structures also challenges the belief that these cultures were nomadic. The Zambian find is too old to be radiocarbon dated, so researchers at the University of Liverpool and Aberystwyth University used luminescence dating to calculate the age of the wood. Luminescence dating determines the age of a find by determining the last time minerals in the sand near it were exposed to sunlight. This technique showed the Zambian structure was 476,000 years old. Four wooden tools found in the area were also dated to 324,000 years old. Since the earliest Homo sapiens fossils date from around 300,000 years ago, this structure and tool set were clearly made by an earlier species, one that was cognitively sophisticated enough to think through the challenge. According to Professor Jeff Duller of the University of Aberystwyth in the UK, a member of the Discovery Team and co-author of a study on the structure, the find has completely changed his view of what human ancestors were capable of at that time. The Colombo Falls area, first excavated in 1960 by Professor John Clark, is a candidate to become a UNESCO World Heritage Site for its archaeological significance. Now that this discovery has proven the area is much older than previously thought, its archaeological significance has grown even greater. We end this week at the University of York in the UK, whose researchers led an interdisciplinary team tracking Viking trade routes by following an unlikely source, reindeer combs. As reported by the science website phys.org, the team included experts from the universities of York, Stockholm, and Barcelona, as well as the Center for Baltic and Scandinavian Archaeology and the Leibniz Center for Archaeology. The study was funded by the European Union's EU Framework Program for Research and Innovation. Working together, team members analyzed the collagen and combs from the 9th century AD to determine the species of deer the antler came from. Their path led them all the way into the Arctic. They reached their conclusions via a complex route, beginning with biomolecular study of antler combs made in Hedebu, the largest urban settlement in Viking Age Europe. Hedebu, which is on our 2024 tour of Viking sites, lies in modern Schleswig-Holstein in Germany and hosted a huge industry making combs, which were a major trade item at this time. Hedebu has produced over 288,000 antler finds, most of which are waste material from the production of a variety of antler tools and ornaments. Collagen analysis determined the species of deer that produced the antler combs, and the vast majority of them turned out to be from reindeer. However, only half of 1% of the waste from antler artifact production in Hedebu was from reindeer, with most of the rest coming from red deer, common in the northern European region around Hedebu. This means the reindeer antler combs themselves were almost certainly produced elsewhere and imported as finished trade goods. Tracing the comb materials shows that large-scale, frequent maritime contact must have existed linking Hedebu at the edges of continental Europe to the far north of early medieval Scandinavia. That contact is just one example of how trade routes and urban networks linked the medieval worlds of the North Sea, Baltic Sea, and the lands around these waters. 
According to Dr. Stephen Ashby of the Department of Archaeology at the University of York, this research begins to answer a range of questions about the chronology and geography of travel and trade in Viking Age Britain and Scandinavia. The team's results appear in the journal Antiquity. Their next project will use biomolecular analysis of artifacts to look at movement and interaction across the Viking world from Greenland to the Baltic. That wraps up the news for this week. For more stories and daily news updates, visit Archaeologica on the World Wide Web at archaeologica.org, where all the news is history. I'm Laura Kennedy, and I'll see you next week. This has been the audio news from Archaeologica, presented by the Archaeology Channel. Be sure to check back with us next week for our next edition. You can spread the word about the audio news by clicking on the Share This link on our audio news webpage, or just by telling your friends. Thanks very much for stopping by.